So over the past 20 years, I've had the privilege of doing um, quite a number of different wedding ceremonies. Uh, and there's, for as many couples as I've had that privilege of doing, it seems like there's as many different ceremonies that take place. Uh, for instance, I could tell you the very first ceremony I did. I could tell you the most recent one I did. I could tell you the most formal ceremony I did. Uh, I could tell you the one that it seemed like the people just wanted to get through it and get to the honeymoon. Uh, I could tell you the one that was the very strangest ceremony I've ever did. I could tell you the one that was the most secretive, where only the bride, the groom, me, and a witness knew about the ceremony. I could tell you about a ceremony in which it seemed like the bride and groom wanted everybody to attend. Uh, There just seems to be so much variety when it comes to a wedding ceremony. In fact, if you were to look back at your ceremony, or maybe you're looking forward to one, uh, probably in your mind, you would maybe fall somewhere in that mix somewhere. Uh, Most likely, you've kind of in your mind decided what you would like, how you would like it to flow, uh, maybe what you, where you would like to get married. Maybe it's the beach. Maybe it's a cathedral. Maybe you want a large wedding party. Maybe you just want a maid of honor and a best man. Uh, Maybe you want just an elaborate wedding. Maybe you want to elope. There are just so many varieties of weddings and how they come to uh, fruition. And probably, like I said, somewhere in that mix, you find your wedding somewhere in there. But what's interesting is when you talk about a wedding ceremony, uh, when it's over, no matter the way it played out, when it's over and the bridesmaids and the groomsmen have gone home, when all the cake is eaten, when all you've got is that stack of envelopes which you're excited to open, when there's just, just you and your spouse, it's almost as if all of the uniqueness, all of the variety of what led to a wedding ceremony transitions into something that is more identical among all of us. Because what has happened is the same thing, regardless all of the show, all of the pomp and circumstances, or all the simplicity, no matter how it flowed, at the end of the day, when it's just you and your spouse, there's something that happened to you, whether you realized it or not. And what happened to you was actually recorded back in the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, where God said basically that you and your spouse have kind of taken on a new form. You see, because way back in the book of Genesis, after God had done his creative power and created the heavens and the earth, created all the animals, created all this the beauty that we know, he comes to where he creates man. And he realizes that it's not good for man to be alone. So he creates along with man, he creates this woman. And when he sees the two together, he realizes that he has just hit it. He's hit the jackpot on this one. And he says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, this is what he said. He says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and he's united to his wife and they become one flesh. So no matter what happened in your wedding ceremony, no matter how you came to it, no matter how you wanted it to look, no matter where you got married, no matter what happened, at the end of the day, when you came before a man and wife, and you, when you came before someone and you said, I do, you became man and wife. And what God says is you became one flesh. And he's talking about creation. But what's interesting is Jesus later in the gospels actually alluded back to what God had to say in the book of Genesis and referred to it when he talked about marriage. And Paul the apostle even referred back to it in his writings, talking about what took place. Whether you realized it or not, whether you really understood it or not, 
when you came through your wedding ceremony and all the variety, all of what took place, all of the dreams, all of the gowns, all of the cake, all of that stuff, at the end of the day, the bottom line was there is an identical nature that runs through all of us as Christ followers and that we were created and we were made one with our spouse. Now we're in this series, a a crash course in chemistry, and today we're talking about the subject of marriage. Now marriage can conjure up a lot of emotions. Sometimes it can conjure up good emotions, but it's powerful enough to conjure up some really negative emotions, emotions because maybe of past experiences or things that are taking place. Now, when I talk about marriage this morning, I want to kind of uh, set the playing field a little bit uh, because I want you to understand where I'm coming from and kind of where we're going uh, this morning. So first of all, when we talk about marriage this morning, this is not about my marriage, okay? It's not about my marriage. I've been married 22 years, but that really means nothing, all right? Because this isn't about me. Because if you look at my marriage, there's some good things and there's some not so good things. Uh, You remember Tom last week when he talked about parenting and he said, don't follow me. Remember he said, I'm a jerk. And remember that? Yeah. Well, I I tend to agree with his assessment. He is a jerk, but that's beside the point. No, he's a good guy. Uh, But truthfully, what you'll find if you follow a person is you're going to find failures. You're going to find something that doesn't really work the way it maybe should work. And so for me to get up and say, well, I've been married 22 years. Let me just share, you a little bit of, share with you a little bit about what I learned so you can learn from me. It's not what this is about. It's not to parade anything like that. This is to try and get us back to the core of really what marriage is really about from God's perspective. Because truthfully, I could get up here and have the worst marriage ever. I could be the most idiot husband ever, which probably sometimes I am. But if I shared with you what God said, really, it's almost like it doesn't matter about me because it goes back to the heart of what God says. So this morning, it's really kind of general in nature. Now, I'm not going to give you like, you know, five ways to show your love to your man or woman. Uh, It's not going to be 38 ways in which, you know, you can, uh, 38 recipes to improve your love life or anything like that. This is just about some general approach to the way we as followers of Jesus Christ look at this thing uh, of marriage. Now, I'm making some assumptions, and I have to because I've got 23 minutes and 23 seconds left. And in that time, there is no way that I can really get into a particular, specific nature of what is going on in your, in, your, in your marriage. It's just impossible. So this is kind of general in nature. And the assumption I'm making is that there's two people that are coming together who really have a good heart, have the best interests in mind. They want to follow after what God has created in that institution of marriage. So coming into this, you know, there may be some instances where you're dealing with some issues that are beyond the scope of what I'm going to talk about today. Um, That's okay. This isn't meant to fix everybody's issues. I know marriage brings a lot of things, but again, what I want to do this this morning and what I'm trying to get to is just give us a general understanding and a general perspective about marriage, about where do we go with it? What do we do with it? How do we kind of walk through this journey uh, with, with, with our spouse. So in order to do this, I kind of have to go back to where I was uh, at the beginning, where when we came out of this wedding ceremony, there we were, man and wife, ready to charge the world with this united uh, front where we now are together as one. And so here, here you guys are, 
um, when you got married? Well, it's an image of what you guys look like. Um, and you guys were a fine-looking couple. So this is, uh, you know, we were all thinner back then. Uh, so this represents really what you were or what, what you are when we come out of marriage. So there's a bride and groom. They come out, and they've, they've been married now. They're, they're one. They're together. When we get married, I think as followers of Christ, we understand that part of this marriage is that our marriage, we want to glorify and edify Christ in our marriage. And so when we come out of that, we understand that it's the bride and the groom, the husband and the wife, and God's a centerpiece in that. So at the core of our marriage, and again, I think we understand this as Christ followers, is that it is you, your spouse, and God. You, your spouse, and God. So if I were to ask you the question, to whom are you married? You'd probably think that's a dumb question. I'm married to my spouse. They're sitting right next to me. They've been next to me for 48 years. They're still there. So when I ask you that question, to whom, whom are you married? It was be your spouse. So when we get married, we have this core and we realize that, hey, what we are trying to do is to project or live a life the best we can as a husband and wife with God in there to live a life that honors and glorifies God. Now, beyond that, though, there's definitely instances or or things that we include in our marriage that kind of allow us to become that kind of person or that kind of couple. So my guess is, or hopefully at some point, you wonder, well, maybe God has something to say about marriage. And so we kind of try to understand what that really means. So at the core of this marriage, there should be an identical nature that permeates all of us as Christian couples. In other words, when you came to the wedding ceremony, a lot of uniquenesses. You had purple, she had orange. Who cares? It doesn't matter. You had a groom's cake, they didn't opt for a cake. You had dancing, they don't dance, or whatever. All of it led to this person or this couple where they are now united with one, as one. Now, in this couple that are united with one, there should be some identical, there should be a nature that identifies us that is identical from couple to couple. In other words, as a Christian couple, if all of us are looking to follow what Christ has to say about marriage, we should be able to find those traits from couple to couple to couple. And you say, well, I don't know what the Bible says about marriage. Well, look it up. I mean, we live in such an information crazy society that if you just type in Google, and do you guys know what Google is? If you just type in verses about marriage or verses for husbands or verses for wives, it's amazing how much you will get in return. And this isn't about what is said about the Bible. This is actually what God has to say about your marriage. And a lot of it doesn't really take a lot of inspiration, so to speak, or a lot of, uh, a lot of study to figure out when God talks about loving your spouse or respecting your spouse or being nice to your spouse or living at peace, those kind of things. I mean, these are some core elements that should be qualities of Christian marriages. And next week, Kurt's actually going to talk a little bit more specifically about those elements of really what the core is when we talk about a marriage. So here we have this core. We want to be followers of Christ in our marriage. It's, it's the husband, the wife, and God. You, your spouse, and God. And we're trying to do what the Bible says about marriage. And that's what kind of connects all of us. But the problem sometimes I see is when we kind of move beyond that core, and now we start to invite other things into marriage because there's a lot more besides what the Bible has to say that kind of defines our marriage. There are some things that come into our lives, which we may or may not allow to come in, which kind of sends us in different directions depending on how much we listen to it. 
And what can happen sometimes is these things that are not core to our marriages, sometimes they're, they're good things. I mean, they're not bad in, in and of themselves, but oftentimes they can muddy the waters a little bit because we have a tendency sometimes to allow a hard line to be driven, maybe not in the core, but we've extended it to where we almost take someone else's perspective about our marriage and allow that to be as authoritative as what the core of what God says about our marriage. And what happens, it becomes confused. It becomes a little bit murky because we're not quite sure, should we listen to this person or listen to this person? And it all depends again, when you come back to this core of who are you listening to? Who, to whom are you married? So let me just kind of kind of work through this and walk through this and kind of share with you kind of where I'm going in terms of this general perspective on, on marriage. And again, if you look in your notes, there aren't any notes because this is kind of just kind of sharing with you just one general idea. So when we talk about marriage, you know, you're married, you're going along and you're, you're trying to follow after Christ and, and things like that. All of a sudden there's some other individuals sometimes and some other influences that can come in and kind of take that core and kind of expand it a little bit. So let me just kind of share with you just a few. Let's start with, let's start with a, just a general run. Let's talk about your, your, uh, your friends. All of us have friends. Um, you know, before we were married, when we're married, after we're married, all of us have friends that we kind of turn to at different times. Some of our friends that we have actually predate our relationship with our spouse. But here's what we need to understand. We are not married to our friends. We are married to our spouse. Let's take this a little bit further. Not just friends, but what about your digital friends? All 784 of your Facebook friends. <laughs> Oftentimes I find myself, you know, looking through some posts and stuff. And, and a, lot of you, my, a lot of you are my friends. Uh, so I look through some of these posts sometimes and, and I have to watch myself. Because what happens is, you know, there's this core. There's this core of what the Bible says about marriage, much like what the Bible says about parenting and stuff. But then you take it a little bit further. And it's so tempting to allow voices that are out there of our friends, good intentioned friends, they're good friends, start to define a little bit more for me about my marriage. So let me, let me kind of give you, an, give you an example. You know, you're, you're looking through Facebook and, and you see just this, this amazing post by one of your friends. Nothing wrong with the post, but they're sharing just how wonderful, how thoughtful, the best husband ever. And in the back of your mind, this seed is planted. Wait a minute, why doesn't my husband do that? Well, what happens is we, we enter into this, this, this element where now we start, we start comparing our relationship to others. So, we, you know, I read about all this stuff sometimes and I think, well, what, what's wrong with my relationship? And you start reading stuff and pretty soon you're comparing what you have to the projection of what somebody is projecting on your relationship and you start to compare. So sometimes I read how people just, they never seem to fight on Facebook. <laughs> I told you I've been married 22 years. It took me an hour and 22 minutes into my marriage to realize I'm not gonna be one of those couples. No kidding, I'm sitting at my reception and we're at the head table, you know, people are clanking their glasses. And so Julie leans over to me and she says, did you get those gifts together? I'm like, 
I don't know. So I was supposed to get these gifts together for somebody who was doing something in the wedding. It was my one thing to do during that day. <laughs> we got married at night, and uh, so we're sitting there, and I could just tell, oh, man, I have realized that we are going to have fights, and the majority of them are probably going to be my fault. So she asked me, she says, well, what did you do all day? I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> Dreams really do come true. Uh, I'm like, this is 1992. I went and saw Patriot Games. I didn't know what else to do. I wasn't in charge of flowers or dresses or anything like that. It's like, you had one thing. Uh, you, you would think that would be the worst of the day. But... Um, <laughs> After the reception, we drive back to her parents' house. Uh, her parents, uh, we, we got married in Baltimore. So the plan was to go pick up a few things from her parents' house and then, you know, change your clothes and then go d- downtown uh, Baltimore. So we get to, we drive, you know, the car's all made up and all that stuff. And we get to, we get to her parents' house. She says, uh, so you have the keys, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, why don't you have the keys? You had two things to do. <laughs> so I get out and I am, um, you know, in my tux, <laughs> trying to break into my in-law's house, which my father-in-law is, well, he's just one of those who has a secure house. Let's put it like that. So she gets out of the car and she's sitting in uh, a lawn chair on her lawn in her bridal gown. <laughs> As the neighbors are coming home who have just been to the wedding and they're honking their horn and waving. It's like, would you like to come in for some cake or something? It's like, no. But it's crazy. I mean, if I get into this where I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what is wrong with my marriage? Because look at this person's marriage. And my friend says that this is the way it should be. So... So, you know, you get on Facebook. Here, here's another thing. I mean, you, you, you see those, those shared links, you know, the blogs and everything like this. You know, it's five essentials to a marriage that will last forever. I'm thinking, don't click it. Don't <laughs> click it. I click. I'm like, oh, shoot, I only have two of them. You know. Then I go, you know, then it's like, uh, Joel, we got to talk. We got problems. We got problems. It's like, I didn't know we had problems. Well, we got problems. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this shared link. It says we have problems. But friends, they're great. They're good. But they also, you know, they, they like to give you some free advice too. So, so one of the free advice I always, I was, you know, Griffin talked about free advice he got. Uh, some, of the, some of the advice I always got had to do with uh, when we had kids. We were married for 11 years without, without kids. We had some infertility issues and stuff. So finally we had kids. We've been married 11 years. So we had kids when we were 11 years. So early on, people had to always talk about date night. Get up date night. Get up date night. If you don't have date night, you're in trouble. So you got to have date night. So I'm like, okay, we got to have date night. So we have, we have my daughter. This is 2003. We had my daughter. My daughter's colicky. She just screams her head off all the time. No reason whatsoever. She just screams. And yet, on the back of my mind, I think, we got to have date night. We have date night. <laughs> and so here, these voices, these friends are telling me, you got to have date night. 
You have date night, your marriage is going to hell. <laughs> like, but we can't have date night. Well, you discover a little bit more. Well, we go on date night all the time because our parents are in town. You know, we drop the kids off for three days at a time. You know, I'm like, my parents live 1,300 miles away. I got a colicky baby. Uh, you know, all these issues that are, that are coming up. And before long, I'm thinking, wait, wait a minute. This isn't Sky Mall magazine where you don't realize what you need until you actually read the magazine. It's like all of a sudden I got problems I didn't even know I had because somebody who has no clue about my relationship is telling me I've got issues. So I'm looking through the Bible. Where's date night? Where's date night? I can't find it. Now again, is there anything wrong with date night? Well, absolutely not. I think you should have a date night. There's nothing wrong with date night. But here's the problem. Why am I allowing someone who has no clue about the context of my relationship, who has no idea about what's going on in my family right now, who has no idea about the hurts, about the struggles, about a financial situation, who has no clue about my relationship. Why am I allowing this person to dictate to me what should be in my core? And see, the problem happens is when we start to listen beyond that core, and it's no longer you, God, and your spouse. Now it's you, your friend, your digital friends, and maybe your spouse if you include them at the appropriate time. You see, it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Friends are great. But to whom are you married? You're not married to your friends. Let's go a little further. What about, what about some family? <laughs> wow. <laughs> now, now, parents are great. <laughs> um, my in-laws are c- celebrating their 50th anniversary this coming next weekend. Then the following weekend, my parents are celebrating their 50th anniversary. So I have uh, an expensive summer this, this, this year. <laughs> but you know, what, you know what happens? You're not married to your parents. I think there's a reason that God said, for this reason, a man will leave his mother and father. And he and the wife should be one. You know, if you're bringing a, a parent into a relationship or a sister or somebody else, that poor spouse, because they cannot meet up with the power, the longevity of what has taken place in a family relationship. Here's this person that's going to weasel their way in between mother and daughter or between son and mother or dad and, and, and daughter. You see, parents are great. I have a really good relationship with my parents. I, I, I really do. I don't have any, any kind of interference in that, in that respect. But yet I, I've seen it over and over where there isn't a break into where it's so touchy. It's so touchy. And we feel like we're turning our backs on them. But again, I come back to the question, to whom are you married? To whom are you married? Is it mom, wife, husband, and God? Is it dad and his good boy, son? Remember, the core is you, your husband, and God. 
Now, there are family relationships that should spring out of that. I mean, obviously, you want healthy relationships. But again, bring it back to the core. Because once you have the core figured out, then everything can flow out of that. But if we're out here in the fringes, and we're starting to make that the core and trying to work our way back in, that's where we get lost. That's where it gets fuzzy. That's where it gets all messed up. Let's keep, let's keep going. What about, what about religion? Now, this, is, this one you may think a little crazy because, you know, this is a church. We, we focus on it. Let me just say it like this. You're married to your spouse, not your favorite Christian author. Because I've seen it over and over where we read something that is so good And we are more inclined to be so connected to what this person has to say, whether it's about marriage or whether it's about something else, than we are our own spouse. And what we've done is we've taken the core, we've taken the hard line, and we put a hard line somewhere where it never really was intended to be. And you have to watch this even at at church. I mean, truthfully, I mean, you should not pattern your marriage after me. You just shouldn't. Now, again, there's that identical nature that comes back to the core of what all of us should have. No problem. But if you think that you can rubber stamp your marriage with my marriage, you're going to run into some major, major issues because you are not married to me. You are not married to what I have to say or my views. You are married to your spouse. You, your spouse, and God. You have been made one flesh. So in terms of church and religion and things like that, it's not about the problem of directing us towards God. It's about, again, realizing that everything we do should get us back to the core of what God has to say about our marriage. What about, uh, what about culture? Culture is not too much of an issue in terms of, of church per se, Because we usually have such a hard black and white view on this type of thing. So in other words, if culture is saying something that is so outlandish, we immediately, the yellow flags go up. But what about the subtleties of really what we see out there that we think, hmm, that would be nice in my marriage. We read books. We watch movies. We do things that get us in the back of our mind that think, we should be like that. And so what we've done is we have culture and us and perhaps our spouse because the core now is expanded. And now what we've done is it's not just about the authority of what God says. It's about the authority that we've allowed in to say and to dictate to us what we should and shouldn't be doing. And so we've allowed culture to come in, culture who really is just preying on us, And we've allowed them to come in and kind of dictate to us and call the shots for this journey that we're on. There's so many other things that could come into play here. I mean, but like I said, it's 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 not about it's not about the specifics up here. This is about the generalities of the way you look at your marriage, at the core of it. About it being you, your spouse, and God. And so we look at this stuff, and, and as you see, you know, when you, when you get all this stuff in the way, it, it becomes a little muddled. It becomes a little, you, you, you kind of lose sight. 
And year after year and, and, and time after time, when, when we start to look through this and we look, look through the lens of our friends and, and all of this other stuff, we, we kind of then lose sight about the core of what we should be doing and who we should be doing it with and those kind of things. And so we come and sometimes we try to clean it up a little bit and we, we, we kind of try to think the right thoughts and things like that. But the truth is it, it, it gets all muddied. And it's not really about trying to fix something. If you really believe that it is about the core of you and your spouse and God. And if right now you look at this and you're thinking, well, it's, I've given more attention. I've listened more to this person or this person. Then truthfully, it's time to fight. It's time to break a few things. It's, kind of, it's time to do something radical that will get you back to the essence about what this is all about. And yeah, sometimes you will get bloody. It's all right. You see, folks, all of this is about a core of what you are. And in Genesis where God said, for this reason, a man and a wife will become one. It's time really to get back to that oneness. To really get to the heart about what you and your spouse are all about. Maybe, maybe it's time to clean up your friend book, your friend, your friend list. Maybe it's time to just realize that this is about you too. We love freedom here in this, in this country. We love the idea of independence. We spend millions of dollars shooting off rockets to celebrate our freedom. And nowhere else should we find more freedom than when it comes to our relationship with our spouse. But somewhere we've lost it. We've muddied the waters and we can't find the freedom because we're including so many other things that are muddying the water. The freedom comes when you and your spouse are able to understand that you are one and you are able then to find your own destiny, to find your own journey that God has given you. And truthfully, outside of that core that unites all of you, outside of that core, it does not matter what somebody else says. It doesn't matter if they don't, if they don't approve of the way that you take vacations or you do this or you do that because the core is the same. Therein lies the freedom that we all long for. The freedom to be man and wife and to go forth together as one flesh. Would you stand as we close in prayer? And I'm gonna invite our, our prayer partners to come up front. And as they do, maybe, maybe you need some prayer. Maybe it's time to just cut through a lot of this. Maybe it's some individual prayer, whatever it is, whatever it is. Take the first step to getting to the core of what God created with you. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for caring for us as men, as women, and as individuals, and as married couples. Thank you for loving us and for showing us and directing us. And this morning as we, as we talk about the essence of the core of marriage, may we go forth from here just determined 
to realize who we were married to. And it's you, it's our spouse, and it's me. Thank you for these couples and bless them in their journey in your son's name, amen. Thank you, God bless you. Have a great Sunday.